All right, guys, I'm going to start this pod a little bit differently than usual. Enjoy the pod. It was a lot of fun talking to Chris Sims. The mailbag was solid, that sort of thing. But this is the important thing. I don't want to sound like an infomercial. I'm going to talk to you about my foundation. Our hallmark initiative is Water Boys. If you listen to this pod, if you know me at all, you might know the work we do in East Africa. We do work here domestically, um, and we are trying to deliver access to clean water to people who need it the most. And um, a lot of the people that need it the most are women and girls. And a lot of the people that bear the brunt of gathering that water that's so sorely needed around the world are women and girls. Um, So we are launching Water For Her. Waterforher.org is where you can check out more information on it. It's an effort to mobilize 100,000 women here at home to empower 100,000 women and girls through access to clean water. And these these women need help. Um, you know, like I said, women bear the brunt of the responsibility of gathering dirty uh, or clean water. And not only is that strenuous, women in sub-Saharan Africa waste 40 billion hours a year gathering water. Um, imagine a world where uh, the best and the brightest of our communities are at home and not trekking halfway around the world to get clean water. I mean, you're talking about journeys of four or six miles a day uh, in the areas that we work and they're dangerous. And women are, are spending time away from their families, away from their communities and girls are spending time out of school. You know, with all the challenges women have in this world, we don't need to heap another one on young girls and take them out of school in oftentimes very impoverished communities in rural areas. You know, this is a big deal. This is a women's issue. And also women have supported water boys through and through, no questions asked, every turn in the road. You know, yes, it has been an initiative that has served everyone, but women deserve their own avenue here. Um, and that's what Water for Her delivers. And it's got the influencers to back that up and the ambassadors to back that up already. So I'm very excited. Check that lineup out. And again, go to waterforher.org. Anything you, you give helps, but you can see we have a couple of options there um, on the website. And you also don't have to give anything. Like This is a weird time to be asking people for money, but this has been in the works for a couple of years. And so if you're listening and you know you, you want to learn more, check it out. And I do want to shout out my lovely wife, Meg, who has been kicking ass when it comes to this thing and taking names and literally taking names. And that's how we've been landing some of these awesome women to lend their their platforms. My wife has been great behind the scenes for years uh, in my foundation, but I'm really excited that she's going to get the credit for something here because she deserves it. Um, this is a great program. It's in good hands with Meg Long. And she's doing that with the help of uh, two very important women that I want to shout out, uh, Nicole and Kim, who are the backbone of the Chris Long Foundation. So, yeah, I'm surrounded by kick-ass ladies. And uh, also, we got a lot of women listening to this pod. So check it out, waterforher.org. Yeah, you know I'm 
Okay, it's Tuesday. I got so I was just I was just sitting here. I'm so tired of opening the show. Happy Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, it's Tuesday. How about that? Second day of the week. Or third, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> but yesterday was a cool day. Yesterday was Monday. Yesterday was International Women's Day. You just heard about um our Water for Her initiative in the cold open. Check that out. And by the way, Big shout out to Julie Ertz. Um, she is one of our ambassadors. And a big shout out to Mina Kimes, who is uh, doing a painting for everyone that gives $500 and over. George O'Keefe, let's go. Let's go. I need like a thousand people. Like Mina Kimes is a great artist. She's a great artist. So go get your Mina Kimes art. It's only going to cost you 500 bucks. Let's have her painting like 24 hours a day, okay? <laughs> She's gonna get like arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis from this campaign. <laughs> I love you, Mina, appreciate you. Um, but you know, again, big shout out to all the ambassadors uh, that are helping us out. Um, and you know, it's a big part of what, what, we, uh, what we hope to stand for. And a special shout out to Nicole Woody and Kim Packett of the Chris Long Foundation. Um, really lucky to have those two uh, on the team. We do have uh, Chris Sims coming up in a little bit of Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. We're going to talk about his quarterback list from last week. Tried to get him last week, guys. My man was booked really fast. That's how you know newsy this uh, list was. And the reason it's newsy and the reason people care is because he's been nailing this stuff the last couple years. It's kind of like a, a more accurate Punxsutawney Phil of Groundhog Day fame. He knows what's going on with these QBs coming out of college. And uh, he ruffled a few feathers last week when he said that Zach Wilson, he'll be the better pro quarterback uh, out of the two, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Or maybe it's going to be somebody else. I don't know, but uh, Chris, watch, he watches a ton of films. So uh, we'll get him on, uh, and we'll talk uh, this draft class as well as a couple of uh, NFL questions. So another thing that is north of a housekeeping item is getting a dog, okay? Got, I got a dog, secured the dog. We talked about it last week. The dog's name is Willie. Uh, we acquired Willie um, and signed him up to a lifetime deal. So welcome to Long Family, uh, Willie. Shout out to Willie. Um, and you know something too. I was talking to Cowboy Reed about this. Something too, being an adult and getting a puppy versus you know being a kid and getting a puppy. You know that drunken kind of like, oh my God, we got a small animal. It's going to walk next to me everywhere feeling like, and that's it. That is the depth of what you're thinking about when it came to acquiring another living thing to live in the house. Like when you get a puppy as an adult, yes, the puppy is adorable, but the puppy is also going to be pissing a lot. The puppy's also going to be nibbling a lot, eating a lot of shoes. Puppy's going to be up in the middle of the night. You can call me callous. I'm just being pragmatic that also weighs into the equation. So I'm not saying puppies aren't cute as hell and I'm not super excited about getting the puppy, but 
this is the first puppy I've gotten as an adult where it's not really, it's not all for me. This is kind of a gift, you know, for, for the little guys. It's a little bit different feeling. It's still awesome. This has been a really exciting 48 hours. You just kind of drained. I haven't slept a lot. My wife slept even less. So um, definitely shout out to her. She's been that dog's best friend the last 48. But after the kids go down, you're, you're exhausted. And, you know, you're laying there and the dog's tired too because, because of the kids and you're tired because of the dog. And it's like a circle of exhaustion. Uh, and then, like, I had that moment of realization where you're like, holy shit, this dog's going to be around here for you know until Waylon goes to college pretty much Waylon's five I'm like you know he's labs I don't know nugenics and technology over the next 15 years this dog might be living to 25 I don't know um hope so uh but you know that moment you're like damn dude you start thinking about it that way this dog's gonna be around a while we're gonna get to know each other so I'm hyped about having a new friend in the house and uh yeah it you can't help but feel like man you just took the plunge a little bit I know some of you people are probably listening and being like, God damn, dude, you got a puppy. You didn't go to prison. <laughs> it's not that. It's just you have to think about the responsibility. It's a living thing. Um, and I kind of feel bad the first couple days you take a dog home. You know, uh, I know you probably know exactly what I mean. Well, first, you kind of like leave the parking lot and you pull away and you see like, the mom and dad in the yard and you're like oh puppy you're gonna be so happy and the puppy's like scared shitless and you're like wrapped it up in a blanket like oh he's probably warm no he's just terrified and then he gets to like a new house new smells little human beings just terrorizing him um i feel bad for for dogs and then you know like crate training a puppy if if you do that is like the pinnacle of stoicism for that cute little dog to whimper and bark and you just gotta like sit there and it's right there by the bed and you don't let it out of the crate and up into the bed i feel like a serial killer like completing the task so um i feel i feel bad for for the dog but that's gonna fade and you know, puppy responsibility is, is big time. That's all I'm saying. And on the one hand, that's very sobering. But on the other hand, I can post pictures of this thing all the time. So you guys are going to be hammered with puppy pictures. You know, I'm kind of getting weird these days about posting pictures of my kids. Because you're just like, I, I know some guys that don't even post pictures of their families, period, in the media or players and um that's there's definitely a fine line there personally for me but i'm getting to the the point now with my kids is like ah, i kind of want to take less and less pictures of them you can have all the pictures of my dog in the world you can have the whole camera roll looks like most other labs it's cute as can be it's a chocolate lab by the way english with the little boxy face thick dude man when i when me and meg went to pick him up um in culpepper we round the corner into the yard and there's like five of these little little miniature grizzly bears running around the backyard and uh five of them are just accosting us and then the other one willie uh is just napping in the uh, in the sun and uh his paws are like the size of my hands and he just is not he's not putting out the effort he wasn't thirsty and i was like this is my kind of guy i mean um dude is just hanging out 
uh, not selling himself. So we found him and we took him home. Uh, yeah, we got a dog. And the great thing about dogs is, as I said, I will be posting. I already posted naturally the first time when you get home, you have to post a picture of a new dog. And usually where you go, you, you go to do that is Twitter. Instagram doesn't care as much. Like Instagram people are on there looking at like pictures of, of girls or like sports memes or you know just scrolling mindlessly. They really don't give a shit about your dog on Instagram. On Twitter, that's like a big thing. And dog Twitter is amazing. First off, I saw every white person's dog in America. I'm pretty sure. I saw uh, everybody's lab. I was like, all right, great. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of cute dogs out there. So shout out to the people who sent me pictures of their dogs. Um, when I made the announcement, dog Twitter is just so chill and positive. I kind of likened it to the dudes in world war one who like stopped trench warfare for the day. Um, if you know history, Christmas, one of those 19 teen years, um, Christmas day, the Germans and somebody decided like fuck this we're tired of shooting at each other from like trenches we're gonna play soccer for a day so they go from like machine gunning each other down to uh to kicking a ball at each other that's what dog twitter reminds me of it's like we're gonna get back to calling people motherfuckers and correcting each other incessantly in about five minutes but for now here's my golden retriever uh show me your dog and have a great day. And then like five minutes later, the timeline is just toxic. But that's what dog Twitter is. It's an island. And we should, hey, whatever we've, we've got going in, in that five minutes you're spending in dog Twitter, that's what we, that, that, could, that little thing, like bottle that, we could save the world, man. Shout out to dog Twitter. Um, housekeeping items. Nicholas Cage got married again. Congratulations to him. Um, and uh, I was sitting there thinking about the fact that he hasn't been canceled yet for something. <laughs> it kind of blew my mind. Um, I love Nicholas Cage to death. I just, I'm praying he doesn't get canceled. And, and if he gets canceled and I can't joke about him at some juncture, I'm going to be so depressed. So just take that for what it is. Keep it in between the lines, Nick. Congratulations on another marriage. Uh, I believe he got married in Vegas. I love Nicolas Cage, man. And listen, I was sitting around there watching NASCAR Sunday afternoon, doing Legos with, okay, my kid's got a rat tail, and, and, the, and the TV just happened to have NASCAR on. But Waylon and I were doing Legos. We were building a camper van, so we were doing a campsite. Oh, God. We were doing a campsite Lego thing. Uh, kid, rat tail, NASCAR on. Um, but one of the announcers, because I wasn't looking at the cars driving around in a circle, I was into NASCAR this summer. I'm still kind of into NASCAR, but I was more, I was super excited about them and banning the Confederate flag and all that. So I got the, the Intimidator sandals and that sort of thing. But I got to be honest, I've been busy. I haven't watched a lot of races. I had a race on the announcer is uh, talking about the cars, driving in a circle, um, look at the blue car, and, and he's like, and Anthony Alfredo. I'm like, what? What did you say? That's the guy's name. There's a driver named Anthony Alfredo. I was hooked. I just, I, 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 I Googled him, I, I read his life story, 
big fan. Um, <laughs> I was looking for a favorite NASCAR driver last year. I uh, hadn't gotten around to it yet. I think I'll do Anthony Alfredo. Why not? They call the guy Fast Pasta. I want to make him the official NASCAR driver of the Greenlight Pod right here. We need a sounder read for when somebody becomes the official something of this podcast because it happens often enough. But Anthony Alfredo, Fast Pasta, coolest nickname in sports. Throwing his hat in the ring, dude. Anthony Alfredo, pride of Connecticut, I believe. Pride of Ridgefield, Connecticut. He's 21, the young, young stunner. Oh my God, dude, the guy was born in 1999. God, I'm old. <laughs> oh man, I love the dude, man. I, hey, somebody said he's not well-funded. How do we fund him? How do we fund Fast Pasta? Guy's got sauce. And he tweeted at me. Reed, he tweeted at me, bro. He knows, uh, he knows about the Green Light Pot. He's a friend of the program. I saw um, that. He's got to come join us here pretty soon. He does, have to, he does have to join us, and I have a perfect way for him to join us here very soon, and I'll tell you about it in a few minutes. Um, I'm excited about that one, too. It's in the mailbag. Haven't done a straight mailbag in a while. So Reed Roulette has been dominant. Um, Reed has just been 30 a, 30 a night for us. 20 and 10, big man, down low, low post. Doing the dirty work. Read roulette. Yeah, so got a dog. Love dog Twitter. We got an official NASCAR uh, driver, uh, Anthony Alfredo. Without further ado, let's get to Chris, and then we got a mailbag. All right, Chris Sims is here, so it's going to be a, a podcast about nepotism and drug addiction. Uh, I, think <laughs> I think what we're going to talk about. We got a lot in common, right? What up, Chris? We What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, doing good. I just, I was just on a long hiatus, like of, yeah. of like detox, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of like a detox retox kind of guy. Like I detox all week and then I retox on the weekend. The pandemic got me a little off kilter with my life where I was smoking maybe a little more than I would like. So like one of the things I said was like for my new year's resolution is like, I'm going to take a break. So I took a little break, and this bat last weekend was my first weekend back on it. So it was uh, it was a fun weekend. The other ones were boring. So you retoxed the entire length of the pandemic, which is a year. I found myself yes. retoxing, but but re but I'm already retoxing anyways. So <laughs> so let me ask you a question: Do you feel clearer headed as you're going toe to toe with Florio? Uh, no, you know that's the always the thing too. You're always like, man, I wonder if I stopped, I'd. I'd probably, you know, feel better when I work out and I probably would be thinking more clearly. But then when you stop, you realize like, no, I'm the same airhead and just as much out of breath I am when I'm totally sober as when I'm, you know, going strong and, and having fun at nighttime or whatever. So exactly. uh, it's, I've, I've gone through that before. It, it's it doesn't always tend to be true that way. Has Florio ever admitted to uh, um, the uh, the devil's lettuce at any point in his life? <laughs> I yes, he has. It's one time in his life and it was like back in college. So it it's like he's one of those. Did it one time. He's got like a war story how he passed out for like 12 hours, right? And he's never done it again. It worked. So, what the fuck? You it, passed out for 12 hours so you could I know. Like if something make something make me pass out for 12 hours, I'm running back to it every time. The question is, if he has a charity near and dear to his heart, we could put we could like we could leverage, hey, we'll donate X 
if you'll do a pod with the Chris's and oh. we could have him burn one down. What do you think? You, we could pull on his heartstrings a little bit. Do you know I, about I his think, charitable oh, interest? I think we could definitely do that. I feel like I don't even need to go all that, that hard. If I can just get him to my house, you know, on a Thursday <laughs> or Friday night, once the pandemic's over for a little dinner, I'm going to try to peer pressure him right there and just to see if I can get him. And I, I like my chances. I think I might be able to make it happen. Do you think that he's uh, jealous of the guy in Yellowstone with his little homestead out there in West Virginia? Does he want to be Kevin Costner <laughs> in Yellowstone, the West Virginia version of Kevin Costner? I, 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 I haven't seen that show yet. I it know sucks. Of it. I Don't know watch of it. it. People oh, are going to be mad because right. a lot of people like it, but it's like a, it's, 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 it's like a soap opera. If you're into soap operas, by all means. Well, that's not him. He's not in a soap opera. I mean, his soap opera is pro football talk. It's playing out in front of us, right? <laughs> so that's his. But as far as like everything else, like real life, like, no, he's got this great house supposedly on top of the hill and he's king of the town. And it's just like, he only lets like a few close friends and family in there and he's shut out from the rest of the world. So he's total big fish in the small pond. Just how he likes it. Just how he likes it. Well, I, he's not far from me. I might have to, we might have to, me and him might have to do a homestead and homestead because I got some acreage out here a few hours down the road and we can compare, but, um, you've been crushing it with the QB stuff. I've wanted to have you on for a while, and then last week I was like, man, this list is amazing, and then I'm going back and looking at your other list, and I'm saying to myself, like, this guy nails it every year. I had no idea, because I kind of stay out of the QB stuff. QB stuff sure. has become like uh, politics on Twitter. I just try to stay out of it as much as I can. You're right. Uh, it has. It's, uh, so when you pick a guy like Zach Wilson first in your list, um, do you think that you're the only person that thinks this or the only person with the balls to say it? I feel like maybe it's part of the second part that I have the balls to say it. Now, you know, one thing is, I, I it, of course, hey, I feel confident in that I've gotten some other guys right, like you talked about in previous years, right, where I put my name out there with the Josh Allens. I said Patrick Mahomes was the guy that year. You know, Lamar Jackson last year, Justin Herbert over Tua. So that gives me the confidence to go, Hey, trust yourself. You know, we've been down this road before. It's like rinse, cycle, repeat. Chris is going to release a list. He's going to get shit on by everybody. Mm. And then uh, we're going to do it all again next year. And we'll see, you know, hopefully I'm right. But, but also, like, I think you could speak to this too. You know, I've been around it my whole life. You know, you, you lived with the defensive linemen. You practiced with them. You saw other ones growing up. So you knew what it was, what it's like, what's the body type, you know, what are the, the specific movements and strength things that you know just with your little nuanced eye that you're confident in looking at those positions and being able to maybe pick them apart better than others, right? Same for me. I mean, so I have that confidence too to go, wait, I was around Phil Sims my whole life. You know, I worked in New England and caught passes from Tom Brady, let alone was on the field against the, you know, saw Peyton Manning in person. When I was little, I was at the quarterback challenge and caught passes from Dan Marino and Brett Favre. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm a little confident in in my history and being able to maybe say those things to go along with it. And, you know, for, for this particular conversation, you know, Trevor Lawrence is really awesome. I don't want it to be lost in the fact that he's worthy of being the number one pick. He is that he he's awesome. But I just look at Zach Wilson as being awesomer. I really do. And I look at his ability 
uh, as more high end and more transfer like transferable to different offenses than Trevor Lawrence too. When I see Zach Wilson, I see things that I saw I see in Mahomes or saw in Mahomes a few years ago that I've seen from Aaron Rodgers. You know, even Josh Allen. It's it's just a it's very gifted skill set. He's a gifted thrower, passer. He's a real good athlete. And so I guess it's my history, my knowledge of the situation, and then not really giving a damn what some other people really think about, you know, the quarterback rankings and just being able to trust myself. Yeah, because it's funny. It's like I'm sure when you said, well, Kyler not being as much of a hot take, maybe. I don't remember. I can't remember a time ever no, thinking yeah. 2019 was I'm not a afraid class. to go chalk. I went Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray the years before. They were the number one guys. I said they were the number one guys. How about trying to look different? But the Lamar thing, you know, that was definitely unpopular. Josh Allen at number two. A lot of people seem to – dislike Josh from the beginning and you know that right. first year and a half or so or whatever it was kind of fueled that fire but when you do that I feel like you get a lot more retweets than when you point out that you were right the past couple years <laughs> you know like people yeah. love to retweet a list and say look at this bullshit but they don't like to retweet your victory lap two three years later <laughs> no that, I mean that's to me one of the problems that's where I, I get pissed off at Twitter there's just no common de decency at all yeah, you know, give me some like, credit. Damn. Well, well, yeah, you credit or, hey, I, you know, during the year, like week 12 or whatever, I had to make a quarterback list and I didn't put Big Ben as one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football, you know? So the city of Pittsburgh, well, they're 11 and 0. How can he not be a top 10 quarterback, right? Because it's only the quarterback out there, Chris. You, you, know, you didn't really, you didn't really matter when you played. I exactly. hope you know that it was really <laughs> the quarterback. They did everything. They just paid you to look cool in your I uniform. Know. You really had no effect. Like Dilfer is better than Marino. Right, right. Yeah, Phil Sims is better than Marino because he won a Super Bowl. Like fuck no, of course not. Well, I, mean, I like that's hanging ridiculous. out with Phil Sims the best. <laughs> He's the best but, yeah. hang of any Hall of Fame quarterback I've ever met. Well. Uh, thank you. Let I me ask you this that. question as a sidebar yeah, because yeah. I'm the sidebar king here. Um, Go ahead. Is there any quarterback that could beat up your dad, prime Phil Sims? Oh, <laughs> you're right. It's a short list. It's a very prime short Phil list. Sims, prime <laughs> Phil Sims. I, I think Jim Kelly and his prime could be one of those guys, right? Because, I mean, Ooh. Jim Kelly and Phil Sims are both like Irish pub fighters. That's what I was going to say. From, it has to be, families. there has to be like uh, glasses breaking, a pool stick over somebody's back. Right. It's a dimly lit pub, not a lot of windows. <laughs> it's going to be right. a knockdown drag out. I say the Kelly and Sims, the, the Irish bracket, the Irish pub bracket's pretty fierce, dude. It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, yes. And, you know, if you saw some of my dad's brothers, you'd go, oh, damn, holy cow. Cause they're, there's they're, more they're of them. Like Irish pub fighters, too. Yeah. There's, he's one of eight. There's uh, eight but, Irish pub fighters from the Sims uh, training camp. There, there's a few. Well, some of them are women, but they could, they could in the women bracket, they could win some of those too. No, you know what's funny is I say that I always say this to people when my dad, like, I can tell the way he talks about certain people, but he has this immense respect for, for Phil that just transcends quarterbacks. Because whenever he talked about great quarterbacks, whether it was Elway or Montana, or like, yeah, he used to be around Elway or Montana at the, the Pro Bowl, this, that, and the third, he would compliment them, but they were still quarterbacks. Right. And when he talks about Phil, he's like, Phil's one of us. So that begged the question. All right, good answer yes. then. Short list. Yeah, no. There's some of that. And dad was that kind of guy, though. He was the, like, lift weights with the offense and defense alignment. Yeah. He was the, 
like, oh, we're we're squatting 400 today for yeah. reps of two or three. Let me put it on my back. I could do this too. And I, you know, that's not unusual for the quarterback, as you know. And I think that got him a lot of respect over the years in the Giants locker room. Can Zach Wilson beat him up right now? Oh, yes. Right now? Yes. You think? Definitely. You're taking Zach yes. over your dad? I saw a picture of him. He's barely taller than than Drew Brees, and that's been one of the biggest things. Is is he six three? I mean, I, I see he's listed at six three, but right. then I saw a picture of him and Drew. And maybe Drew was up on a step, but they were almost like the same height. I would, I would be, I would be shocked if he measures a six three two. I, okay. I, I would too. I'm going to say, I bet you it's going to be six two and change is what I'm going to guess. I mean, it's very rarely the exact height the school puts out, right? Yeah. Uh, especially for quarterbacks that are might be just toting the line, towing the line there as far as the six three or the six foot thing. Either way, so. Um, First off, yes, he could beat up my dad right now. My oh, dad's got back problems, neck oh, problems, yeah, all types true. of issues. So it's just going to take one shot and dad's on the ground, oh, all right? No. But 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 like the size thing again getting back to Zach Wilson. Hey, I, I get it. If you had me say what is the number one negative? That to me is the only negative overall. Yeah. I wish he was a little bit bigger of a man altogether. But I also think this is a guy that's like maturing and getting bigger. You could see there's a size difference between two years ago and last year. And you're like this, I think. He's got a great legs, legs on him, mm -hmm. legs and butt. Mm -hmm. Like it's a real athlete. There's power and explosion. I appreciate there. that, Chris, and too. By I the like way, that bro. too. Right. You gotta yeah. have that. You Thanks, know that's bro. a part of a good football player. No, you got you no, like you gotta be powerful. And he does look athletic to me. I mean, I watched accidentally the first game of their season last year feels right. like five years ago and they were playing Utah and I was like damn there's something with this kid but I don't track it the way you do and for you to arrive at this you know level of assurance as you make this or some people are going to call it a hot take and I know why you're doing it you're doing because you believe it but yeah. where would you rank him in the last 10 years of guys coming out the way you feel today without having right. seen Patrick without having seen Lamar or Josh before the draft Right. Where do you rank him the last decade Ooh. or so, Zach? I, I, you know, it, it's up there. It really is, and that's a really good question. And I'll just, I'm going to say a few things about him. First off, I mean, first off, like when I evaluate a quarterback, I want to go like, okay, when the guy's open, does he hit him? Right? He does that all the time. Okay. Ooh, now it's a tight, you know, it's a close, a tight window. How does he do in that? Oh, okay. He, he can put the ball, you know, on the edge of the plate, on the inside edge of the plate. Oh, I want it just, you know, a hair outside to where the receiver can get it or nobody can. So he puts the ball, you know, where he wants to, 99 out of 100 throws. You know, so that's the one thing I look at. But then what I'm big into, like, is, is Chris is just like, when there's nothing there, that's another thing I look at because not everybody's going to be in the best offensive football and people are going to be open. You know, the first read's not always going to be there and that type of stuff. All right, so when nothing's there, what are you going to do then? And that's where I see unbelievable, you know, powerful arm throws that I go, there's not a lot of guys on planet Earth that can make this type of throw. Or the ability to extend the plays and, you know, now manipulate the coverage down the field like Rodgers or Mahomes and buy time to throw a 30-yard laser somewhere. And then if if not, and okay, I bought time and nothing's there, he can rip off a 20 or 30-yard run on top of that. So it's very special that way. You know, am I I was blown away by Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not gonna say it's Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out. You know, I, I mean I was blown away by him. But I think it's like 
it's up there with the guys that I've had as highly rated as anybody where it's, you know, Mahomes, the Josh Allens of the world. Uh, it's that type of guy that I look at to where I go, this is what he can be. He can be special. And, you know, I, I think it's even greater to me as far as the film itself and the high-end ability than even for Joe Burrow last year. Wow. I love Joe Burrow. Yeah. But I think just the pure raw ability, the explosiveness in the arm, the side sidearm throws, two feet off the ground, no look, you know, 30-yard lasers down the middle of the field. All of that, to me, on a physical aspect, is greater than Joe Burrow. So, again, I don't know exactly where, but yeah. I would say it's high up there is what I'm saying. And And you mentioned, like... BYU, obviously everybody remembers the Coastal game. Who cares? You know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes lost ugly games in college. I, you mentioned Patrick. Competition yeah. matters, but it also matters in a way that people aren't thinking about because if you're not playing great teams, you're also probably not throwing to great receivers either. Well, exactly. I mean, that's where, you know, okay, yeah, they're not. he's not playing the same teams that Mac Jones played in the SEC at Alabama and all that. I understand that. He also doesn't have the same talent around him that Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones have. Exactly. He yeah. doesn't he doesn't get the ability to walk on the field every game and go, "Oh, we're the best team on the field." There's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, other than when Ohio State, Alabama and Clemson play each other, they get to walk on the field those quarterbacks every game and go, "Oh, I got the better player. I got the better players, the better team." You know, we're we're actually even better coached than just about every team we play too. They have all of those advantages to go along with it. To me, hey, I'd love to. I wish he played in the SEC, but he didn't. But it's not a make or break thing to me either. Should I also you know? wish Trevor Lawrence played in the SEC? Well, sure, right. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'd also go like the ACC. Like, look, first Dude, off, let's not write home about the ACC right now. Yeah, I mean, it was no. Notre Dame and Clemson, and they North Carolina was better, but not special this year. But like small school stuff. I don't know. I mean. You know, Howie Long did okay coming out of Villanova. Yeah, blue gray. He's a blue okay gray game. State. Yeah, Howie Long, blue blue gray game, diamond in the, in the rough there. I mean, you know, it, it's I, it's just such a crapshoot every year. There's no, there's I, I don't think it's it's that easy to find some correlation and be like, I'll only look at big school guys because X. Like you're always going to be well, proved wrong somewhere along. You're going to miss out on Josh Allen and Big Ben Roethlisberger yep. and yep. you know the Phil Sims and the Terry Bradshaws of the world. I mean, then man, you're never going to get them. Well, like throwing into tight windows is throwing into tight windows. No, I don't. No, look no matter at, how they got that tight. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, he'll understand how to go, wait, my receiver's a little faster and the DB's a little faster. So now I have to lead the guy, right. you know, a half a foot more. Those that's, that's easy adjustments for high level athletes like that. And, you know, everybody talks about that coastal Carolina game. Listen, it wasn't his best game. I, there was a few throws he missed. Okay. Yes. They had a good defensive game plan. People go back and watch it. I mean, there's some plays where I go, well, where do you want him to throw it? Or he's under tremendous pressure. I don't know what you expect him to get done here. There was a few drops in the game, too. There's four or five like pretty high-level throws that get dropped, so that hurts the stats. And at the baseline, if that's the worst game where he made like four or five throws that nobody else in college football can make, and made that last second drive where they got an inch away from the field in like a 40 second drive and like 95 yard drive, mm -hmm. then damn, I'll take it. 
But yeah, to always put it just on that to me is not not fair either. Let's talk about the rest of the field here because cool. Trevor Lawrence obviously that shakes people up when you say he's number two. But again, like I, this is one of my biggest pet peeves about sports media now. If you make somebody number two, all of a sudden you might as well make them number three hundred. This kid could be a Hall of Famer uh, in his own right. You say untapped potential. Um, I heard you talking about him that way. What right. is it that he has to tap into? I know he plays in kind of a college offense, but yes. let's talk about like mechanics. Is there something that you see mechanically with him that he needs to improve? Def definitely. There there is. And and you know, thank you for saying that because I, I think this guy is he's worthy of being the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. I expect Jacksonville to take him. You know, because I think they're going to run some of that collegey offense with Urban Meyer and do mm -hmm. those type of things. So I really like Trevor Lawrence. I really do. I mean, he's a really good athlete. There is a legit running ability off the read option in doing that. He can scramble and buy times and, and do all of that stuff as well. Size is a skill at quarterback. You know, he can stand in there with people around him and throw over the top of the line of scrimmage and not be affected that way. So all those things are to like. You know, his arm, it's a powerful arm. It's maybe not as explosive as Zach Wilson's. Like, we're like, Zach Wilson, like I said, he doesn't need much area or room, and he could still throw Phew. 99 miles yeah. per hour right and hit and paint corners and do that. Mm -hmm. You know, Trevor Lawrence's arm is really strong, there's no doubt, but it's not quite as versatile as Zach Wilson's. There's a lot of throws down the field and outside the numbers I like and all of that. But it is a college offense. There's definitely not as much of, you know, look to my left and look at number one and then look down mm -hmm. the middle to number two and then look to number three and across the field and do that. You know, there's way more of that to see from Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and even the kid at Texas A&M, Kellen Mond. So he's a little raw that way. And the one thing that I think jumped out to me, and again, I'm, I'm this is where I mean there's untapped potential. There are some technical things with his throwing that he could clean up. His feet can be all over the place. You know, he can be a guy that, you know, put yourself in the middle of the clock, Chris. If you're going to throw to 12 o'clock, well, you need your feet and your body to line up to 12 o'clock. And as a right-handed thrower, as you get ready to throw, your your left foot should just go left of 12 o'clock. He can make a lot of throws where he steps to 10 and 9 o'clock and throws it. And, yeah, he might make some great throws, but there's also some – slam dunk completions where I go, damn, he's too good to be missing that. Like there's a little more inconsistency in the throwing than I expected. That's all I'm saying. And that's ultimately what I think led me just the pure end talent and throwing of Zach Wilson. And a little of that made me make Trevor Lawrence number two. But he's still awesome and, like I said, worthy of being that number one pick. Let's talk development because this is, this is very interesting to me. I think a lot of people assume that players are going to naturally develop as they get older, like as they age. Like that's part of the evolution of a human being. You need good coaches. You need a good quarterback coach. How much of that is something we don't put enough emphasis on because we assume so much. Like Trevor Lawrence could end up – you know, you're trusting the decision-making of Urban Meyer, who had that brilliant strength coach hire. I'm sure he'll get the quarterback coach hire right, and he'll be he'll have the right voices in Trevor's ear. But still, I think people assume that they're great position coaches left and right in the NFL. What is it about development that people don't get? Right. Well, the like you know that that's not true, right? That not all the position coaches are created equal. I mean, they're they're just not. And I would tell you also. You know, 
there's very few quarterback coaches who really know anything about the mechanics of throwing the football. That's wild. Uh, I know. So is the it's, whole it's, landscape going to change? Because now we have these, and it is changing, we have these specialist guys that you're seeing sure. guys leaving their QB coaches in the offseason to go hang out with. Yes. I, I and, and unless some are good, I also you know see some where I go, okay, I mean, sure, if he can get paid and trick them into that, but what he's coaching, that's not going to help out there. Right. You know, but with Trevor Lawrence, his his issues throwing are easy fixes. They're not things I look at to go, oh man, I'm not sure about this one. Right. You know, it, it's 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 hey, I would like him not to see him arch his back so much when he throws. And sometimes he does that so he doesn't get any turn or create any torque like you see a Rodgers or Mahomes do with their front shoulder. When you see them like really turn that shoulder and you go, uh oh, here comes the laser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. He turns that thing and you go, uh oh, it's coming. He's about to let it loose. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just very few you coaches in football that can really teach that. Now, Lawrence is a natural thrower. There's no doubt about that. And his tweaks that he need are minor as far as just, again, maybe getting some of that upper body movement, getting the feet to be aligned, you know, in the right spot all the time. So those are easy fixes to where I would go. Even the lesser quarterback coaches in the world should be able to at least stay on that to a degree and still get him on the right track. He might not maximize his full potential, but at least he'll get better and be more consistent with just, hey, keeping a wider base, stepping at a certain spot, you know, trying to get a little shoulder turn and not letting it be all arm all the time. Those type of things, they're easy fixes now that he's out of college, no more 20-hour rule, and you got somebody watching you, watching over you all the time. It's also hard to put those those tendencies that you're trying to break into action on an NFL field your rookie year. No doubt. And have the faith to say, if I suck trying to do it your way, um, you're not going to hold that against me, which is never the case. No, that's 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 what's scary. You're right. And the, that's the good thing about Trevor Lawrence is it's still a lot of good, even though he's not doing some of those things we like. And I see enough clips where he does do things right to where I go, uh, he could do this. This is not like, you know, totally uh, hieroglyphics for him here. Mm -hmm. And it's just, not, he'll never be able to figure it out. There's enough evidence there for me to say he can do it. And the other thing that goes along with this, hey, you got to give the guys some support around them too. Yeah. Like that's the way I look at teams and just go, you can't draft a top five quarterback and then surround him by shit for four years and think he's going to be great. You got to do something to help him support him. Look at Mahomes. Mahomes is awesome as he is. He got to walk into a team that was the number two seed in the AFC playoffs and had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey right from the get-go, and that allowed us to see his great talents because there was talent around him to let it all flourish. And a lot of teams make those mistakes when they draft these quarterbacks early on. And an Alex Smith to help you know exactly. him along right. the way, which is always probably an underrated uh, thing. You had Brad Johnson when you came yeah. to the league, who I know is – as an aside, I hear he's yeah. legendary off the field. Not a boring guy. No, not a boring guy. You could always find action with Brad, no matter what it is. Whether shoot foul shots, shoot pool. You know, he could drink beer with the best of them. Uh, like, was an amazing quarterback for somebody to me be young because he did everything the right way in the classroom and on the practice field. 
He wasn't threatened by me. He really helped me out. He appreciated my talent and things like that. I mean, he couldn't. Have he been got you drunk. You went. You, oh. he took you out and you paid for all his shit rookie year. No probably. doubt. No. And, oh. So he the, paid for it. He was cool. Actually. Oh, he was he cool. Didn't so make me pay. Yeah, yeah, he sounded like a cool vet. Is the beer right. drinking quarterback going away? It seems like it is. It's like it's a dying breed. It doesn't seem as popular. Mahomes seems like he could throw him down pretty good. That's um, like a whole nother sidebar conversation. Who do you think drinks the most beer of NFL quarterbacks? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. First off, it's hard for me not to think Big Ben can't throw down be beers. And I, I have feel no like, inside. I feel like big, looks like he I feel could. like big Big Ben might have tried at some point in his life to reinvent himself and put the beer down to make, you know, the new Big a Ben more, years, more palatable right. to corporate America. And now he's drinking something more mature, maybe wine or something. But deep down, that's not who he is. I would no, say Josh no Allen probably uh -huh. can smoke some pilsners. I'm I'm with you. I was he was going to be the next guy I was going to go to too. I think Josh Allen and Mahomes both are probably sneaky, really good beer drinkers when they want to be. Stafford went to Georgia. He's he's uh, essentially a doubt, when he, he was came the next out, he had that I beer face. He had he's the next guy. The next. I'm with you. He looks like he's got beer written all over him. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, I'm looking at just a few other ones. Like I would think Baker could probably throw down. Oh beers yeah, too. Baker's is still Baker's still got the beer drinking quarterback thing going on. I also no I want to I want to throw a, a sleeper in the hat. I think it'd be fun to get fucked up with Teddy Bridgewater. Really? I think I don't Teddy, know Teddy well enough. I don't either, but I guarantee you it'd be fun to drink beer with Teddy. He's always happy and always in a good mood. And I mean, you're going to, it seems like you're going to have a good, happy conversation. Exactly. Low key. All right. So we were on the second best quarterback and we were talking about mechanics, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Real quick to wrap up the Trevor conversation. And in general, is there, is there one mechanic that you can see like, or a shortcoming that you can see mechanically with a quarterback in college that you're like, this is a cardinal sin for, for me. And this is going to yeah. be hardest to fix. Yeah, well, that's where I get into, like, when you hear me say, like, hey, listen, he's a natural thrower, so he can pick up any object and throw it with success. I have no doubt about that. You know, no, there's people like, you know, Blake Bortles, Tim Tebow, when they got drafted, uh, and you can go back and look at the Bortles draft. I was saying Derek Carr is better than Manziel and, yep. and Bortles and, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater that year. Like, but I'll look at like Bortles and Tim Tebow and those. Those are guys where I go, no, no, there's no way. You're never going to fix them. It's not natural to them. They weren't put on earth to do that. That's not what they're going to do. And one thing I always that they did, they'd let their arm, and you know, I'm lefty, so I'm doing it, but they let their arm angle break to like where it would get straight at times like right. this, right? Like you don't ever see that. Rodgers, Brady, right? Mahomes, Josh Allen. The arm always stays like this. It might be sidearm or whatever else, but they never let it get straight. There's right. no way. It's too many moving parts to get it back in the perfect spot once again. That's one thing that I look at and go, oh, if he's doing that too much, that's going to be a tough fix. Plus, we love when they let their arms get straight. I mean, yes. like I that's I just I just got excited. My hair stood on end because I'm thinking strip sack, <laughs> which is the best feeling in sports. Maybe better than a home run. I mean, you just see it, the ball just out there. And that's the that type of guy with that long, you know, kind of all over yeah, the place. Long or later release, right. You right. had another shocker with Mac Jones at three, but actually I don't think it's that much of a shocker because after one and two, no matter what, chances are you're not gonna have three great quarterbacks in the draft. Like, you know, it's a crapshoot. Mac Jones, I feel like he's had a lot of things held against him, probably the 
the brief relationship we've had with Mac Jones, but also just the long line of, I feel like, Alabama quarterbacks that they've cycled through. You had two wide receivers now. Was it Waddle, Cowboy Reed, and who yeah. else? Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, Who right? said that uh-huh. they like catching balls from Mac Jones better than Tua. Now, you and I both know that that's like a non-answer unless you really feel strongly about it. And I'm not saying they don't like Tua, but that probably tells you they really like Mac Jones. Agreed, right? Like we're not wired to say those type of things. Usually like a player like you or me, you'd go, oh, it's really close. Both are really good. Both. They you know? do both do different things. Both are do different things. Tua could do this, but they let it be known. <laughs> like they let it be known and there was no hesitation in their answer yeah. at all. Yeah. Mac Jones, like Chris, I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't, ex- again, I'm a ca- ca- like a casual college fan during the year. I'm not sitting there every Saturday like, let me watch every throw. I got to get ready for draft prep and do all that. You cram. I'm all NFL every day. Yeah, right? there's no so, time. Yeah, I just can't sit there all day Saturday now and just go, man, I'm never going to be a father or husband with my kids or do anything. That's the thing. These single dudes are kicking our fucking asses at media. Well, that that's fine. I just I can't dive into college at that point. So now I get to get into it here. You know, the last few weeks, and yeah. I really get to get into the nitty gritty. I, I don't know. You know, first off, I don't understand it with Mac Jones. There's nothing not to like on the film. The film is way better to me than it was for Tua last year, and ev- nobody had any problem with Tua being a top five pick. Now, you know, to me, this is where I think it's his body type. I think it's his body type. I think people look at his body and they say, the guy doesn't look like a pro quarterback anymore, Uh, which maybe 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't even thought twice about it. But I heard you make a comment about his athleticism or, or you tweeted about this. It was the difference between like athleticism and, you know, mobility and just... What makes a quarterback mobile? And you say Mac Jones is mobile. He is athletic. So taking away the throwing part of it, I know comps can be polarizing. Give me an athleticism comp for Mac. Okay. Well, to me, it'd be more like it's Drew Brees-ish, right? With maybe what he does there. You know, not Drew Brees, what we've seen right now at 41 and 42 years old, but more back to, you know, what you saw six, seven years ago a guy who can move around the pocket, a guy who, oh, wait, things are broken down and I'm kind of running up into a seam within the pocket and making the throw on the run. Like, I might run for six, but I'm keeping my eyes up. Oh, there's somebody down the field. Bam, I'm going to hit it. Oh, wait, that guy wasn't there. I can run for five or six yards and did that. There's plenty enough athleticism here to make it work. No, he's not Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. I understand that. But where he is really special, Chris, is he's got unreal feet. I mean, his feet in the pocket, I think, are it's him or Zach Wilson for the best feet in the pocket. He's extremely quick as far as getting himself into throwing positions, shuffling, moving out of danger's way, resetting to make a throw. And then the throwing is just... It's one dead eye bullseye throw after another. Yeah. You know, and it's not like I understand he's got talent around him. I get that. But I, again, I don't look at that. It's a, it's there's a lot of plays where guys are covered or you got to make a tight throw into a tight window when there's pressure around you and damn, he does it at an astonishing level. So, 
Yes, it's not like super athlete. And yes, it's not the strongest arm I've ever seen. But it's a really good arm. It's every bit as good as Joe Burrow's was last year. And it's the ability to process information is as good as anybody I've evaluated in the draft over the last six, seven, eight years. And I feel like that's the Joe thing Burrow. everybody just assumes that guys are good at is the one thing we can't see is the wheels turning in their head. And if Mac Jones's wheels are turning faster than other dudes, that's good for him. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of, like, Mac Jones doesn't qualify as an athletic quarterback that's going to scare people out of man or scare rushers up front right. in how we right. rush or, like, change the game plan. But to your point, he's a guy who can still navigate the pocket and pick you up five or six yards. So that's not going to be a concern, at least. It's right. not a plus, right. but it's not a concern. I mean, that's the way I would look at a quarterback like that, me personally. It's going to be an offense that you don't want him. To, you're not asking him to run the read option and bootleg. So give over me a good offense for Mac Jones. Like, I look at the Carolina Panthers at number eight. Yeah. You know, they just had Joe Burrow. That was Joe Brady. That was the offensive coordinator in there in LSU. They want a guy who's going to be in the pocket, can make all the throws, dice you up, be accurate. They're running the Saints offense. Yeah. That's why, to me, it makes sense. And we're and he's, he's not getting enough credit for his talent that he has. This is the last thing I'll say. Just the way they called the game in Alabama with him at quarterback compared to Tua – yeah. If you just look the way the plays they called, it tells you they thought Mac Jones was more talented than Tua. There's more NFL concepts, more aggressive concepts, and more NFL big-time type throws on Mac Jones' film, and it's not even close compared to Tua last year. So, I mean, I, I look at Mac Jones and think he's a top-10 pick. Tua was listening to those two receivers like, hey, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he had the other two that got drafted in the first round too. He had four. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mac Jones only really had one this year. Waddle was hurt most of the year. He had Devontae Smith. And I know everybody else there is pretty damn good too. Yeah. Uh but but you know, I'm just Well, for it, leveling purposes when you're comparing yes. Tua's circumstance and his circumstance, right. and that's exactly. gonna be certainly interesting down in Miami. When it comes yeah. to um Fields, yeah. Is it fair at this point? Um to hold being a quarterback at Ohio State against that quarterback? Like, to a degree. Just just a little. You know, again, every man's their own man. So that, that to me, is where it's going to come in handy for these teams to meet Justin Fields. What's he like? What's the work ethic like? How's that like? going? You know? How's that going, though? It's Zoom, right, this year? Is it just yeah, Zoom? Yeah, for right now it is. I haven't heard about the – but I would think with the way vaccines are going, maybe we get some more in-person meetings here. Yeah, that's here, a maybe tricky part that I hadn't thought about. You're right. Now, and then also, you know, you're going to want to see him work, work out because he does have some mechanical issues too. But the Ohio State thing, yeah, I would be – here's the one thing that – the offense lends itself to be very easy for a quarterback. Right. And it doesn't necessarily lend itself to being ready for the NFL day one. I think they do a lot of just like, hey, let's block it up. You don't have to worry about hots or anything like that, right? Yeah. So they get a lot of six-man protections, send three guys out in the route. It's look at one guy, and then he looks to run. It's a lot of one-read type throws into open spaces and those type of things where I do get concerned a little, and I don't know if they teach it this way or not, but he has a, he has a really floppy, loose arm like Dwayne Haskins, and that bothers me. And Cardell Jones had the same thing to where, yeah, it can be really powerful, but it can also miss the broad side of the barn at times too. 
And that's what worries me about Justin Fields and a little bit what I see out of the Ohio State quarterbacks altogether. Is there a quarterback factor you trust the most at this point? I mean, Alabama, you're going to get a well-schooled, ready guy. Low now, floor or high floor. High, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You're not going to get a guy who goes in the league and is like totally clueless and raw and things like that. Now, they, they haven't had that high-end superstar talent yet, uh, but... The one thing you're going to get, you whether it's AJ McCarron or you know Tua or some of those guys, they're they're going to be NFL ready in a lot of ways because they've been taught like an NFL quarterback. As we're on the back half of these these uh, quarterbacks you listed last yeah. week, all of them are going to need development. One that popped into my head last year and is now my favorite player in the NFL probably is uh, Justin Herbert, and yeah, turning on the combine. I said, oh my God, he's just missing go routes. He's like not hitting the broad side of the barn. There's no pressure. Me with my dumb D-line brain, when I see that, I think, well, there's there's something wrong with the kid, right? Because there's nobody on the football field and he can't hit people. How do they do that with guys? How did they do that with a Justin Herbert down there? Maybe that was a very specific situation. No, that's, that's it's good. Well, like first off, I was a, like Justin Herbert, just go back to him. You know, his throwing, when I broke him down last year, that's why I made him the no – I got a lot of crap last year because I put him in front of Tua, you know, yeah. like how dare I be. And, you know, his throwing was off the charts. You know, when you get into the combine and all that, first off, it couldn't be a more stupid environment to evaluate a quarterback. Here's two throws. Now go stand back in the back and wait for 20 minutes, and you'll get two <laughs> more throws a little later. Like mm -hmm. what? That does. Yeah. Oh, and and by the way, it's with a guy that you've never thrown a ball to ever in your life, and mm -hmm. you know we don't know what it's going to be like. So you know you get caught in the wait. Do I want to complete the pass or do I want to show people what I got? Right. Like, do I want to? You know, you he could have thrown the forty yard completion, but I think on a few of those go routes, he said, eh, "I'm going to air it out sixty five and throw it really high in the air and just show everybody what I got. We'll Moon see shot. if this guy can run under it and get it." You know, so you have to piece things together as you go through the evaluation process too. And you gotta be realistic about what you're evaluating. You know, there were so many games last year with Justin Herbert where we, we talk about, and this is every year, where people would go, Oh, did you see this game or did you see that game? And I go, Well, yeah, I did, but what did you want him to do? Mm -hmm. Nobody was open, there's no pass protection. He's not Superman. I mean, so that's where you got to be realistic in was it really there for the player to succeed in some of these games we talk about that are negatives at time. Patrick Mahomes had the TCU game his year. I got all this pushback. Oh, did you watch the TCU game? Yeah, I great. We could bring John Elway back or Brett mm -hmm. Favre back or whoever. There was the game wasn't going to be any different. Nobody was open. <laughs> there was no chance. And yeah. I think that gets lost in translation too sometimes. Jordan Love yeah. was the guy you put right, right behind Herbert. We might not see him for years to come. What the hell is going to happen with him? That's a good question. And, you know, listen, I I I got like a little and fascinated with, with Jordan Love early on last year. And as I started to go, and I see this is where I didn't make this mistake la the, this year. This year I went all in right away, and I went, no, I'm going to spend, you know, almost two weeks on these quarterbacks and get this right. Last year, I kind of got a feel for them all and made a ranking, and I put Jordan Love in front of Tua. 
And I can still remember my dad called me and he goes, hey, you know, I've been really, I really broke down this Jordan Love and uh, you need to go back and watch a few things. And, you know, you got to tell me if you feel the same way. And I did that and I backed off. So I'm not sitting here to tell you I'm right or wrong about mm -hmm. everything in the world. Tua was better. But yeah, Jordan Love, I don't know. That was a dumb pick by Green Bay. I don't know when we're going to see him. I mean, you got a quarterback who's still in the one, five best quarterbacks in football, there's no doubt, and they don't go all in on him on a team that they have kind of like a Super yeah. Bowl window. That made no I sense. Just, I just wonder who's sitting there biding their time waiting to make a play at Jordan Love or something like it, that. A year like this, there's plenty of options, but eventually that conversation is going to happen, I yeah, think. Yeah, but I think that's a few years down the road. And what, what we need for the guy like that, too, they need he needs preseason. He needs to show people what he's about, too, right? Because he was raw coming out. So that's going to be the last image everybody has. Only Green Bay's going to really know what he is until we get to see some preseason and stuff like that. And then you could go, hey, look, he, he fixed some of those mechanical issues he had. Whoa, okay, he's become a little bit better decision maker. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can get the hype going for maybe being a trade option you know, somewhere down the road for some team. Um, you've been right about a lot of stuff. I know you've been wrong about something before with yeah. these quarterbacks. Who is, the, who is the one that you look back and you're like, I'm a moron? Well, I, uh, Daniel Jones, I had I was wrong about that. Like as far as I had him too far, I had some other guys in front of him that I should not have. Like uh, I was wrong there. You dumped no, I'm not on sure Daniel Jones. You put him in. I'm six, sure not. You, I'm not yeah. sure he's worth the number six pick. Still, I don't know about that. Yeah. But I was wrong about that. The one I'm really I always kick myself about is Dak Prescott. That's really the one I look at, and to me, that's why. I'm on Kellen Mond this year at Texas A&M because to me, that's, that's the Dak Prescott this year. It's, you know, don't Dak Prescott is one of those where I went, Oh, they didn't win. The stats weren't always that great. And I put it on Dak Prescott and I want to go, why, you know, every ball was pretty accurately thrown. The physical ability was there. He was playing on a team that was less than more right. times than not in the sec every time. So I put some of the team stuff on him and I misevaluated. So that's one that always will, will jump out to me and I'm still pissed off. And that's where I get into self scout thyself. And I try to correct myself and get better. Uh, North Dakota state, uh, university, yeah. the right. Eagles have traded one North Dakota state guy away. Uh, it's just in my head at six. Yeah. I know Lurie came out today and said, or sources say that Lurie says that we're going to focus on Jalen as right. our future. If you're the Eagles at six, what do you do? And do you believe Jeffrey Lurie telling the whole world a month before the draft or whatever it is that they're not drafting a quarterback? Well, I, I, I kind of, I do. I saw that news just before we got on in here and I kind of take him at his word. I kind of actually do believe him there. You know, Jalen Hurts, yes, it was better than I expected. Yeah. You know, uh, there's flaws in the game. It was still one and three. There's still a lot of time. Like that Dallas game, the second last game of the year, there's still a lot of throws there. I go, damn, they were not good throws. Like, we got to grow in that department. So, I don't know what Philly wants to do. I I'm all for if they want to go in on a year that's a rebuild year right now and see if they can go wall in on Jalen Hurts and play a certain style of football and see what he can do from there. But also within that, I go, they hired Nick Sirianni, who was with the Chargers and with the Colts, and they want to drop back and dice you up in the pass game. And to me, that's where I don't think Jalen Hurts is, 
is ready to go. So I would imagine that either they drafted a quarterback and they look to move him maybe, or they let Jalen Hurts be the guy and they bring in a quality competition type backup in case it doesn't work out that they could put somebody else in there. I look at those as kind of being the two options. Do you think Bill is capable of, of, of sitting out another year, so to speak, as a major power player in the NFL? Do you think he's capable? You spent time up there. I know yeah, that his brain no. doesn't think that way. He's still trying to right. win, but he right. also knows. He's a realistic dude. Yeah. I No, I mean, I, I think he's realistic to know that, like, okay, you know, maybe winning a Super Bowl or something like that might be a stretch this year, but you know how he is, too. I mean, they're just, it's every day. It's just go to work, and we're what are we going to do today to win today? And yeah. they're going to, you know, go through every detail in the world, and you're like, oh, my gosh, we've been over this 700 times already, but okay, here's 701. You know, it's, it's a... It, it, I just, I never count them out. Yeah. I don't. They're just too smart. You know, they have a ton of money to play with. They are going to get some players back from the COVID opt-out that could help them. They have an elite offensive line when it comes to the run game. You know, so I don't they expect have them to physical, be. They have wide receivers on the roster that they could throw the ball to. I don't know if they're good, but they do that's have wide receivers. They do. They got, that's where they need work. <laughs> I mean, that's where, I don't care who they got a quarterback. There's got to be some improvements and some difference makers as far as receivers, a pass rusher. Yeah. Like those are things that lack in New England big time, in, in my opinion. And that's the thing that they've been hesitant to spend on is that rusher. I know. And so know. it'll be really, I think the biggest mystery in the first round to me is what the hell does Bill do? He could go anywhere. He could trade back to the fourth or he could trade up to the top five, which is not something he's done typically. But again, when everybody says, Bill's never done X. Well, Bill's yeah, never right. been in this situation. Right. And I think Bill also does some self-scouting. I think Bill says, like, all right, I've done things in the past that haven't paid off as a new day. So last question. I agree with you. Lamar yeah. Jackson. Right. Um, everybody. He's one of the most likable players in the NFL and one of the most electrifying, obviously, but everybody knows he has to take some steps. And he would yeah. tell you this to better his game. How much of that is going to be how much of his improvement is going to be accelerated by a number one. Uh, will that solve everything? Or are there things that he has to do? No, there's, there's things that he has to do, but we've, we've seen, I think it's trending in the right direction. Yeah. You know, just think just even from the MVP season, MVP season two years ago to last year, I, I think he became a better passer within the pocket and those type of things. You know, is it perfect? No, but Hey, there was the game. What was it? 10 to three. Against the Buffalo Bills, they drove down with his right arm. Yeah. And he got down there, and okay, yeah, he threw a pick six. He yeah. made a mistake. Yeah. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, really. Especially still, not down there. A, no, you're right, especially down there. And he's got a lot of positives still to bring to the game. They, in my opinion, just need to help him more in the pass game. It's an underwhelming passing attack. Okay, so that will be the first thing I would tell you. It goes back to like what we just talked about with some of the college guys. I'd go, listen... Yeah, he's not perfect, but I'm not like watching film going, oh man, he's missing wide open people all over the field here. That's not the aspect, let alone, you know, they have a hard time getting a guy like Marquise Hollywood to brown the ball on the consistent and regular and formulating an offense, or at least just having guys that scare a defense in the pass game. 
So to me, their pass game needs an overhaul altogether as he continues to get better, which, again, he goes back into the thing we said earlier, too. He's a natural thrower of the football. He is, and he yeah. wants to throw within the pocket. He wants to do that, and he's getting better at that, uh, but he also has those legs he can rely on if, if things are, are an issue. But I, I, I like the direction Lamar Jackson's going in. Chris Sims, everybody, I that's like I'm quarterbacked out, but I feel so smart now. I'm just going to walk around starting conversations with people, asking what they think about quarterbacks, and just dunk it on them. I talk <laughs> okay, to Chris today. I like it. Uh, I like it. I, ho I hope I'm right this year. <laughs> I think, yeah, hey, track record says so. Uh, Chris Sims, he's on the wagon. He's back off the wagon. We'll, we hope to have you again sometime soon. And tell Florio, I don't know what it's going to take, but we got to make, make something happen. We'll smoke Florio out. Okay, I like that. We'll do that. Well, you know, whenever you come back up, like maybe to this area during the football season, something like that, let me know, and I'll get him at the house, and we'll make this work. There we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chris Sims, everybody. Appreciate you, You're Chris. You're the man. you the man, Chris. Be good. Thank Say you, hi dude. to the fam. Yeah, likewise. All right, let's do mailbag. Let's do mailbag and get the F out of here, huh? I'm not going to cuss this whole mailbag. You sound really confident about that. Um, you say it so often and then break it. Yeah, you're I right. I can only be confident. <laughs> exactly. This is from, uh, I don't even know how to say this, dude. I have trouble. G-Y-R-A-B-I-N-E-C. Gyrobinek. Gyrobinek? It's from Gyrobinek. What's up, Holmes? Uh, if all household items were sentient beings, which one would have uh, the worst job or life? That's brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant question. Reed, you know what sentient means? No, explain it to me. Something capable of like feeling, like a real thing, dude. You know? Like, hey, is a tree a sentient being? No, but it's a living being. Can it feel? I don't know. Aware of oh, oneself, yep. including one's traits, feelings, and behaviors. Basically something that, that, that knows it's there, right? Essentially, unless I'm butchering the uh, shorthand on this word. Would you say we've got it? That's right. Reed, what do you think? Like uh, household items, if, uh, if, they were, if they were alive, essentially, which one would have the worst job or life? I feel like a... Oven or the toaster wouldn't be that fun because they don't get cleaned very often. They're all just dirty all the time, right? <laughs> Reed, <laughs> you got a point, dude. But there's a toilet where people poop all the time, all right? Like, if you think about it, the toilet's like, that's my job. I'm going to do a really good job of flushing your stuff. <laughs> like, all I'm saying, it's, it's chalky, right? Toilet's chalky for me. Yeah, that's a good one. It, it's just, yeah, I mean, like, I'm totally weak. If a toilet is actually a sentient being, like, what's worse, eternal flames or a three by eight when at unpredictable times somebody can come in and just blow it up right in your face? Yeah, three by eight. That, right. that might be worse than hell, right? If you believe in hell, I don't. <laughs> somebody said... Great. Fuck, dude. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm fucked now, huh? Because you're not afraid of hell? No, no, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of hell. Um, because hell, the concept of hell makes people do really out of character things. 
Yeah, to avoid it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you'll be fine. You've got a long way to go. I don't know, man. I just feel like what I should hedge my bets on hell. Can you hedge your bets on hell? Probably not. Okay. I think it'll get you when it gets you. Fuck. Um, it'll get you when it gets you. Uh, no, I know. Like it's terrible. And then after they, after they, they, you get, you know, dumped on. Somebody just glades all over your face, like pink bottle of Glade, island smell, <laughs> like just straight. And then you have to do with. <laughs> That scent and the one that the person just dropped, and it's not, it's terrible. doesn't sound fun. No, it's terrible. My eyes are burning. Uh, I'm getting plunged from time to time. You know, that's violent. That's a violent action. No. Um, if though, Reed, caveat here if you can get a gig as a powder room guy in like a drug lord's house, huh? You might see a lot of people doing cocaine, hear their conversations. You ever think about that? That could be a toilet that I could I could sign up for that one. Um, plus, nobody shits at a drug lord's house. Is that a fact? Never been to one, but I can imagine that if I was at a drug lord's house, the last thing I'm doing is blowing up dude's powder room. Yeah, you're probably just trying to not get business. killed. Right, exactly. Not get killed, dude. Quickest way to get killed: fuck with the guy's tiger, or blow up a bathroom at a drug lord's mansion exactly if you dumb and dumber <laughs> a drug lord's powder room you're not making out alive dude so that's why i think like drug lord mansion powder room may be an exception um same thing with the playboy mansion i feel like lots of cocaine and nobody takes a dump because all the dudes in the playboy mansion are walking around like oh maybe i'm gonna meet a chick and they're afraid to shit and be the guy that like when the door swings open one of the models catches a whiff. So nobody's shitting at the Playboy Mansion and everybody's doing cocaine same way, I would imagine. Uh, but I'd probably rather, I'd take Drug Lord Powder Room uh, toilet all day if I had to be one. That's Does that count as an item, toilet? Yeah, I think so. I would take the sixth bathroom in like a mansion you know the side bathroom that no one ever uses yeah but you don't get you don't get the cocaine uh voyeurism you don't get the like look at these fucking people just doing foot long lines yeah no that's talking fine about, i like, don't have any interest in that you're not seeing it netflix i pay to watch like drug lord stories dude i could be I could be if a I, toilet yeah, in a bathroom dude. so you could live it <laughs> Yeah, do you live it? Nobody's nobody's dumping in there, dude. Nobody's dumping in there. Everybody's just in the bathroom. You know, I don't know how people how, how motherfuckers sound when they, I have a septum, so you know it sounds normal when I like inhale through my nose, but you know, people doing that, it just goes straight up. Like straight up. I can't even make the noise. Um but you could just first class you know like the the movie blow you're in the movie blow it's like fifth room in a mansion great fifth bathroom in a mansion it's kind of boring that's all i'm saying yeah i would have no problem with that though you just get to hang out there maybe you have a, a shower a, to a faucet to head talk to you got a couple buddies but you, you know, oh man i didn't even think about too. the fact that you got friends if you're um, a household item so you, you're going by like toy story rules where yeah. all the inanimate objects actually 
Right. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking, but this, that makes, opens up a whole different conversation. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking like rules where I'm just like the Lone Ranger interacting with the humans. Mm. But, but yeah, I mean, you know what? Doormat. I forgot about that one. I have this one right here. Doormat. Uh, people kicking the shit out of you. Dog poop. Dirt. Gum. Sticky beer. When yeah, people get home from the bar. Yeah. Like kind of that pissy smell. And there's literally a doormat expression. In, like if you're the doormat of the ACC, if you're like Maryland and right. then you have to leave and go to the and Big And how Ten. often do you get cleaned? Like never. Never. Nobody Not cleans it. Not often people say, I'm going to clean my doormat. No, people just buy new doormats. Exactly. You get replaced. Because they think of some other stupid thing they want to, to be like on. I don't want to offend anybody. Because everybody's got writing on their doormat. I, really, guys, it's cool. What you're doing is cool. <laughs> it's, it's all good. What you guys are doing is totally cool. I'm not going to make fun of you. Live, laugh, love. Do they do that on doormats? That's more of a kitchen sign. Yeah, the kitchen sign. With hey, like come to think of it, come to think of it, the anything in the kitchen, Reed. The, anything in the kitchen. The range hood is perfect. The range hood's life is perfect because what does a range hood really do? I couldn't tell you. Exactly. Gets paid a lot of money. It's it's in the most important room in the house. Like it's kind of like made it into the you know like the range hood is all the other household items are like fucking side eyeing the range hood, you know, and the range hood all it does is hang out in the kitchen. You get the same like you, you get know, great smells. You get great you know, smells. Very good cook, dude. The range hood's job evidently is just to inhale bacon smoke. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, right? So range hood for me. You got a pretty good gig, dude. Um, I think Range Hood might have the best gig in the house, and you're in the kitchen, so you hear everybody's conversations, and like mostly the kitchen is full of life and energy. A lot of other items, too, if you're going Toy Story Yeah, rules. exactly. Lotion. Other Lotion is not a good job. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about... Okay, Reed, wherever your head's at. Reed, wherever your head's at, dude. I'm just thinking about, like, generally it's very variable because you just don't know who you're going to see naked every day. You don't know. And, like, like what, what would be worse than, oh, forget about household lotion. How about, like, country club lotion? That'd be the worst item to be. You don't know. You, you got to wake up every day and fucking put your big boy pants on and go to work. To be prepared for what you see. You yeah. could, it could be any old millionaire with a big old gut that stretches way out past the, you know, getting out of the sauna, you know, combing his fucking hair in the mirror and not bothering to put the towel on. And you just, <laughs> the lotion is the closest thing to him. It's the closest thing to him. Lotion at CVS is sitting there in the aisle, like more nervous than me on the airplane, like, you know, or whoever's got the open seat next to him and, you know, just watching people go by and you're like, oh, please, 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 not him. You know, there's just certain people the lotion doesn't want to get, get taken home by. Yeah, I just, lotion would be a nerve wracking job for sure. Okay. Um, this guy, I got to respect him, Jay Delaney 3. 
I'll keep sending it to you till you do it. Rank pasta shapes. Okay, Jay Delaney, you got me. You pinned me down, dude. You've tweeted, <laughs> you've asked me to rank pasta shapes for what feels like eons. Mr. Delaney, you're relentless. I can respect that. Uh, but you missed the cutoff on the story I said, anybody who uh, submits a question after 3 p.m., I'm just gonna make fun of you. You missed the cutoff, but on a day like today, you're, you're, you're a lucky man because we just made Anthony Alfredo, hmm? not a pasta shape, pasta sauce, but pasta related, we made him the official NASCAR driver of the Greenlight Pod. So good day to ask a question like that. <laughs> Lucky for you, you ask that question every day. <laughs> Guy fucking loves pasta. I respect it, dude. I love it. I'm hungry. Maybe hungry, dude. Um, first off, lasagna, not a shape, right? Just flat. It's just a flat rectangle. Most times people couldn't even tell you in detail what lasagna is, I feel like. I feel like a lot of times you're just like, oh, it's a big heap of Italian food and I like it, you know? You don't, yeah. th I, don't I never thought about it as a shape. Orzo, I'm sorry. Um, I apologize to Orzo, which is a tremendous restaurant here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, but I don't, I'm not gonna rank mega rice you know cold mega rice as a pasta shape in oh man i fucked up probably this is one of my favorite restaurants but i just can't include orzo in the shape list i'm not ranking pasta al uovo <laughs> literally this is how you spell it a l l apostrophe o u v o i'm not ranking pasta that pasta i don't rank irrelevant pastas same goes for Ditalini, which, you know, like why Ditalini? It's a short rigatoni. It's just a short fucking rigatoni. Yeah, I've been cussing the whole mailbag. You have. Did you? you know, it's, I, I noticed it the first. Oh, yeah. read. It happens like it's happened <sighs> the previous 30 times. All right, well. From here on out. This is, this is, <laughs> from here on out, not cussing the rest of the way. I'm not ranking spaghetti or linguine. Although I do love a good spaghetti in a social setting that I'm actually not getting judged uh, in. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, it's just an ugly, it's a top five ugly activity. Okay, so we got six here that I'm gonna rank in no particular order. The conch shells, the, uh, the, mac the macaroni, uh, the penne, uh, the rigatoni, the fusilli, uh, and the the bow ties, okay? Coming in at number six, farfully. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. It's a, it's a bow tie, man. It's a bow tie. Um, and the reason, you, you might be saying, yeah, Chris, you're being harsh on bow ties. Okay? It's a stubborn, stubborn shape of pasta. It is really hard to get the fork into a bow tie, I feel like. I might be imagining that, but I feel like, Bow ties, really hard to pin down. Uh, you know, like at a wedding, you're stabbing the heck out of your plate and it's loud and it's awkward because it's a bow tie. You always, there's always bow ties at weddings too. 
number five, macaroni. Macaroni uh, is a uh, system pasta. The system pasta shape. Everybody knows why. Mac and cheese. You need the cheese to unlock the potential of a macaroni. Okay? That's it. In fact, mac and cheese, unless I'm totally butchering this little piece of historical context, but it just dawned on me that mac and cheese... Mac and cheese said, fuck macaroni, dude. We're moving on. Mac and cheese is, you can get mac and cheese in any, any shape, right? Any yeah. shape of pasta. So like mac and cheese will be the first to tell you that mac, macaroni, maybe I should put that six. In fact, I'm putting mac, the mac in last place and I'm putting the bow tie in five. Okay. Mac and cheese. That's it. Number four, penne. Penne is played out. Penne is played out. That's four. Number three, conch shells. Okay? The clam shells. I couldn't pronounce the name. Not going to try. You're doing too much. Just deliver me the flavor. It's like people that, you know, soap that's shaped like objects. I don't need it. I just want to, I just want to wash. I just want to wash up. Two. Fusely. It's a cool pasta. I respect that pasta. Big time. Number one. Rigatoni. Okay? It's the only answer. It's thick. Two C's. Shout out to Orzo again. The peasant beef and pork bolognese. Terrific, terrific dish there. Um, and I would love to get Fast Pasta on this pod to do his rankings one day. I really would. What do you think? I think that's definitely the move. I agree with you. Rigatoni's a solid choice. My number one is the wheel pasta, the wheel-shaped pasta. Those are phenomenal. You're a wheel guy. Oh, yeah. Those things are cool. Hold on a second. Hold your horses. Yeah, this wagon wheel pasta. You're a big wheel guy, huh? Big wheel guy. Cool shapes. Cool shapes to eat. Big wheel. Keep on time. Okay. <laughs> it is a cool shape to eat, man. You know what's cool about that shape? You feel like you're a kid again, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's 100% because I ate it a ton as a kid. <laughs> Freaking cool. It's such and a I good... I eat it a ton now. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Shout out to uh, Anthony Alfredo and shout out to uh, Wagon Wheel Pasta. Y'all take care. I'm